Scholar Nassim Nicholas Taleb is quoted as saying, anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. Many speak of creating resilient health. My guest today helps you understand why anti-fragile health is better and how to get it at every age. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Kieran Dunstan, shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Lean in and get ready to experience the bountiful, blissful, and beautiful vitality that you deserve. everybody. It's Dr. Kieran back for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Revolution. Very happy to talk with you about my guest today. We're going to be talking about something called psychological capital. If you don't know what that is, you definitely want to stay tuned because she's going to help you understand what psychological capital is and how to maximize it in your life. She's also going to touch on the anti-fragile mindset, what it is, why it's helpful, and how to get it. And we're going to talk about health coaching as well, because that is one of her areas of expertise, one of many areas. So her name is Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her, and then we'll get started. She's an educator and a licensed clinical psychologist for over 35 years. She is the founder of Functional Medicine Coaching Academy, and she instructs people on how to become functional medicine health coaches, knowing that health coaches will be the solution to combating chronic disease and reducing health care costs. Sandra is a pioneer in blending functional medicine principles with positive psychology, cognitive behavior therapy, and mind-body medicine, Welcome, Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum. Thank you. It is such a pleasure and an honor to be here with you. Love that you are here. I so enjoyed being a guest on your podcast, What the Funk. If you listening haven't heard What the Funk, F-U-N-C podcast, you definitely want to check it out. The hosts are hilarious and they make complex medical information Fun. I must say it was one of the most fun podcasts I've ever been on. <laughs> oh, thank you for that. Yes, we make it entertaining and educational, and you provided so much value. So thank you for being a guest. Oh, thank you. And there's so much value that you offer. You have so much experience in so many areas, helping people heal and really achieve the optimum health that is their birthright and that is available to everyone. So there's so many things to talk about. Let's get started. So let's start with talking about what psychological capital is. So if you think about what you have in reserve, what you were born with, what is with you throughout your life. It is your strengths, your character strengths specifically. And this comes from studies in positive psychology where they looked at how do we answer the question, why do people flourish? Why do some people have a life well-lived? 
and others may struggle more. And it turns out it all boils down to 24 strengths. And the researchers, this was in the 90s, Martin Seligman, Chris Peterson, and others, they looked at the literature from psychology, philosophy, various religions. They looked around the globe at different cultures and found that the names for these strengths might have been a bit different depending on where in the world you were and what your culture was. But basically, they, it boils down to these 24 strengths. And we all have them. I like to call them they're like a deck of cards that were dealt at birth. And we have 24. Some may be ones that come very, very natural to us. And if you were to ask somebody, oh, what is it that makes Kieran, Kieran? And they might say, uh, they might name some particular strength, like, oh, she's honesty, is she's kind. So honesty, kindness. Somebody else might say, well, like our podcast co-hosts, they might say, well, humor. They're, you know, he's a funny guy. Uh, makes me laugh. And so that would be, called the signature strengths. And we have about uh, five to 10 of those. Now you may be wondering, well, how do I find out what these strengths are? And there is a nonprofit called the VIA, Institute of Character, VIA, and they have an assessment tool that is very well studied and validated and it's free. And you can get a, you take a little assessment and find out. So these are your psychological capital. This is what you can use. And the good thing is, it's not like financial capital that it'll run out. You have them. In fact, there's been studies on people with cognitive decline, and they are still holding on to these strengths. For example, if uh, I remember my mother-in-law who suffered from Alzheimer's, and even in later stages, she could still tell a good story from the past, but she could still make people laugh and she had still, had still had plenty of zest, joy for living. And zest is one of my top character strengths, appreciation of beauty and excellence, things like judgment, things like hope and gratitude. And some of these strengths are more what we call the cognitive strengths or of the mind. So somebody who has a good perspective and others are more of the heart, like kindness and love. Curiosity is, is a big one. So again, these are with us from birth. And when we are faced with very difficult circumstances, that's how we get through it. We, and if you are finding that you know you're really curious about oh i wonder what my strengths are again well you're using that character strength you're using a bit of that psychological capital to go find out and then there's a lot of resources available where you can say gee how am i going to use my strengths today there's a wonderful book my friend he teaches for fmca our colleague ryan nemick that is mindfulness and character strengths. So if you want to get into a mindfulness meditative practice, you get your character strengths are what gets you there. And again, when you want to be more mindful of your strengths during the day, you use 
mindfulness to get you there. So, uh, so that is psychological capital. And again, we all have it. I love that. And boy, do I love a good quiz or assessment that's going to help me to understand myself better. When I do programs with women, one of the first things I have them do is figure out where they are with their health, but also with their personality and their strengths. And so then as they go through the process of healing, they can pull from those strengths and recognize when they encounter something new, like, oh, I have to change my diet. Oh my gosh, I can't do this. Well, what strengths do you have that can help you? And they can really capitalize on that to get them where they want to be. So we will definitely get the link to the VIA Institute for the assessment, which I will promptly do when we are done with this interview. And I invite everyone listening to do too. We'll be right back after this short message from our sponsor. Hey there, it's your conscience calling. It's a new year. Just wondering where you are with your resolution. You remember, the one to lose some weight and get in shape? You know, life would be a whole lot better if you upped your metabolism, lost a few pounds, had some energy, and could get in your skinny jeans again, right? But I know you don't want to count calories, and I don't want you to either. And working out at the gym is not your idea of fun, or mine. I know you hate the thought that you might fail at weight loss, again. And I do too. And that's why, this time, I've set you up for the ultimate success by working with a doctor who lost 100 pounds at midlife herself by addressing all the hidden causes of weight gain no one's told you about. It's about so much more than diet and exercise. You'll see, Dr. Kieran will tell you all the secrets you need to know to lose 10 pounds and double your energy in the 28-day Jumpstart program. It addresses all the reasons that 90% of weight loss programs fail women at midlife. Yup, it was created by Dr. Kieran after she lost 100 pounds at midlife. She designed it to address the same issues that you're having. Only you don't know you're having them because no one told you. So yes, I heard what you want. And for sure, you totally deserve it. To live in a body that is healthy and vital and supports you in doing everything that you want to do. And to look good doing it while having more fun than you can imagine, I got you. And I know you don't want to pay a lot of money to try yet another program. So you'll love the special introductory offer of just $47 to join. Just $47? Girl, you know you spend that on things you can't even remember every single month. What have you got to lose? Nothing. Losing 10 pounds could just be the jumpstart you need to your next level of living. It's all ready for you. Just go to jumpstartyourmidlifemojo.com to get the details on this amazing program and sign up now. Then you can check off, lose weight, and feel great from your to-do list and get back to the things that matter most to you. I heard you, and I've answered. Dr. Kieran's got your resolution covered with the Jumpstart program. I'll see you there. And we're back. You teach health coaches and you talk about psychological capital. How do you help people to understand their psychological capital and help them achieve their health goals? What's the role that psychological capital plays in that? Psychological capital and positive psychology as a discipline is really key for health coaching at Functional Medicine Coaching Academy we integrate the principles of 
positive psychology with functional medicine principles. And when students enroll to become health coaches, the first thing that we ask them to do is go to the VIA website and take that quiz. We are aligned with the VIA Institute on Character. We encourage them to give it to their children. And then as they're studying to become coaches, to have clients fill that out. Because when people go to a healthcare provider, they are used to talking about what's wrong with them. And they're not used to talking about strengths, what's right with them. When there were difficult times, how did they get through? What did they use to make it through? Perhaps creativity, which is a character strength, or perseverance, not giving up. It's another character strength. And so the strengths focus is something that our trained health coaches will really emphasize. And it is the key to helping people find well-being. So as an example, in functional medicine, we talk a lot about a timeline, listening to somebody tell their story. The medical doctor may be focused, and rightly so, because that's the role of a practitioner, is to look or antecedents, triggers, mediators, what what was what sparked the chronic illness? And what a coach will do is create that overlay of these were times, yes, we're gonna look at these events that perhaps traumatic event, but we're gonna have this overlay that we're gonna create on your timeline of how you used your strengths to be where you are today and how you can use these strengths going forward to help overcome whatever obstacles you may be faced with. I love that. And boy, do I love a good health coach. (laughs) I really couldn't do what I do without their assistance because they have tools like this to really help people harness the strengths that they have to make it through the challenges of, I've read that The data shows that it's harder for people to change their diet than their religion. It's that intimate part of us. And so we need tools. And so I love that they're using that. What are some other tools that health coaches might use to help people move towards their health goals? Sure. So they are listeners first and foremost. And many people will ask, well, do I need to have a particular background in healthcare or a particular degree to to train to be a health coach? And the answer is absolutely not. You need to be a good listener to offer somebody mindfulness, hope, compassion. People really need to be heard. And a coach is trained to listen. They help people to break something down into small, actionable goals and ask questions like, what do you want your health for? And then translate that into, well, what would you like to start today? And often if somebody has already seen a practitioner, they know what to do. They may have the diet plan, for example, and it's just How do they get started? Is this going to fit for them? And the coach is their support. A coach helps people change when change is hard. And change is really hard. Coaches help hold people accountable. And they, but it's always through questioning. How would you like me to support you? How would you like to be held accountable? You said that you are going to stop drinking diet soda. 
when are you going to be ready to start that? Is it going to work for you today? So those are the kinds of processes. And this comes from client-centered psychotherapy. And that was how I was trained many, many years ago, my doctoral program. Big part of this is the psychology behind it. So coaches are not psychologists or mental health specialists. They don't do psychotherapy, but they support people with emotions. They help people to feel like they have a personal cheerleader. And often, you know, you mentioned how hard it is to change what you eat. And I used to teach courses in the psychology of eating. So how we eat, why we eat, what we eat is really related to our personality, our families, our friends, our cultures, our religions. And so it's really deep-seated and it's not just, um, you know, the ingredients on your plate. And coaches, our coaches are trained trained in psychology of eating principles can help people support them there. I love what you're saying. Being a good listener is the number one qualification. You don't have to have any specific degree. I find that a lot of times when I work with clients, actually a woman reached out to me on social media recently who I worked with probably about three years ago and I hadn't seen or heard from her. And she said, Dr. Kieran, I became, went and got a coaching certification in helping people with their health functionally. And I was just so delighted. I find that that that's very often the case. People, I think people have to have passion, a passion for a root cause resolution approach. And then they also have to be good listeners, which you came from this from a psychology background. What was your evolution that landed you in running a coaching academy for functional health coaches? So what was your journey to get there? I founded Functional Medicine Coaching Academy by coming back full circle to where I began. And I was raised at a time when for women, there weren't a lot of choices. It was either being a teacher, a nurse, a secretary, and I chose to go into education. So I taught special education for many years, taught at the college level how to help teachers to teach kids with special needs. And then when I became a psychologist, I focused on health psychology, mind-body medicine, for example. As a specialist in integrating mind-body medicine, positive psychology, cognitive behavior therapy, and back in, in those days, we didn't even call, we didn't have a name for positive psychology or mind-body medicine was considered quite radical. I was teaching breathing in the 70s. And so when I was always interested in nutrition personally. So uh, fortunately, I did train uh, around 2009, 2010 in functional medicine and became certified when they had their first certification opportunity and came full circle back to teaching because as a psychologist, it was not within my scope of practice to order supplements and interpret labs, but I love to teach these principles that how you can take these theories of functional medicine and integrate them with the positive psychology, mind-body medicine, psychology of eating. And I love gathering people who were world-renowned experts, the faculty at Institute for Functional Medicine, experts in positive psychology, to put together a faculty 
that could offer really high quality instruction. Great. Well, I love to hear everybody's journey, why they do what they do, how they got there. I just think it's the beauty of the human hero's journey. So thank you for sharing that. And we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Hey there, it's me again, your conscience. Just letting you know, I did hear you. The question is, did you hear me? Go to jumpstartyourmidlifemojo.com now to sign up for Dr. Kieran's next challenge starting soon. Pause this recording and go to the website now. We'll wait for you. Dr. Kieran's got you covered in achieving your resolutions this year. I'm always looking out for you. You're welcome. We're back. So we've talked about psychological capital, and then you talk about the anti-fragile mindset. Can you help everyone to understand what that is and how they can cultivate that? Sure. So what comes to mind is a song called Unbreakable. It was actually written by my daughter. It was sung by Janelle Monet and Kelly Clarkson for the Ugly Dolls movie, of all things. But it really resonated with me because when I think of anti-fragile, which is a movement in positive psychology, it has to do with resilience. And unbreakable. I just love that image of something that is just not going to shatter. It's not like you're, you're not going to fall apart. And how do you do that? Well, you might start at a physical level. So when I was working with somebody who was really thinking they're doubting themselves, how am I going to make it? I can't cope with this. Well, you might at that moment tune in to your posture. Are you all slumped over? Are you, where are you? And then what would it feel like if you just did something as simple as roll your shoulders back and down and lift up um, the old saying like, you know, chest up, bosoms up. <laughs> there was a from the boobs up. Boobs up. And uh, so just that alone will create the sense of strength. And then you combine that with your breathing and inhale something that's strength and exhale something that is not serving you. And then you may look at, well, what about in the past when things were really hard? So I can look back at times when things weren't going right. I was running a group practice many years ago and a lot of challenges. And so it was a failure. You look at, well, how did you get through those experiences? You're still here. And so thinking about, again, what strengths did you use? Perseverance, perhaps, bravery. And then you say, well, those didn't disappear. Those strengths are still inside me. That's part of anti-fragility. The other is to focus on the perspective strength. This is a small moment here. And you zoom out and see a brighter future and bringing in hope as well. Optimism, there was some research about people who have an optimistic sense that things will work out, it'll get better, are coping very, very well, as opposed to those who tend to have a more pessimistic, oh, the world's falling apart, and the circumstances have never been this bad, and I can't take it anymore, and it's just going to stay 
in, in this bad state. Those people don't do as well. And it's even affecting things like our, at a cellular level, it leads to inflammation. So there's a lot of research that is showing this connection with optimism and uh, even looking at people with cognitive decline, those who maintain that sense of hope, optimism, are doing better in terms of having this moment of love, for example, or connection with another human being. Yeah, I call it the chicken little mindset. The sky is falling, the sky is falling. And, you know, with the current situation with the pandemic, every time I turn my phone on to look at something, there's the headline of how many people have had the virus, how many people have died. And I'm, you know, I have to put that in perspective. And so my antidote chicken little mindset is, yeah, but how many millions of people haven't gotten it? And how many millions of people have survived and thrived through it. So it is really that mindset. And I really make my mind up every day to have an anti-fragile mindset. And wait, did you say your daughter was a co-writer of that song? Yes. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes, that is an amazing song. And it really speaks to the resilience of the human heart, I think. And the resilience that we women in particular have. And as you know, I focus on women at midlife, generally 40 to 60. So we've been talking about positive psychology and psychological capital, anti-fragile mindset and health coaching. How would we combine all of these and what tidbits can we offer women at midlife who are really dealing with health challenges that are fundamentally changing who they feel like in their skin and how they feel about themselves. How can we harness the power of all of these to help them? Sure. So it is first of all, look at and seeing a future where you have meaning and purpose in your life. We have so many students and graduates who come to us because they have struggled with a chronic condition themselves, or they've seen a loved one suffering and they want to give back now. We have people who are in retirement. There's people in their 80s who have decided to study to become a health coach. Often they're in it the not to build a career, but to give back, to serve others, and also to get this knowledge for themselves and their families. So others may decide, well, They want that support of a health coach. Uh, Maybe they've been to a lot of different practitioners and they're not getting answers. Maybe they are, but it's so challenging to just on on a day-to-day basis to do everything that they've been told they're supposed to be doing for for their health, exercise and movement and how to get good sleep. And there's all so many things for self-care and maybe they're feeling overwhelmed or feeling overwhelmed with their responsibilities now. And so having somebody as an ally, somebody who's there to listen, not somebody who is, as we would do in psychotherapy, someone else to say what's wrong with you, but giving people have or having a, a sense of hope. And so whether you decide to become a coach or work with a coach, and there's many ways if you're working with a functional medicine doctor. Um, and they, There are coaches who are available. And the other thing is to get into a group. So we train coaches to work not only in a remote way, but also with groups. And so feeling like you're part of a community because people uh, may feel just lonely now. And we thrive 
in community. And so that is a way that you can serve. So if you have a challenge and you are finding ways through perhaps your creativity strength to get through something, then you can be in a group and you can be supporting others by sharing what you do. So you're helping others and you're also getting that help yourself. Yeah, let's talk about the power of the group when it comes to making positive health changes in your life. I absolutely love doing this type of work with groups. I found that find the outcomes are better, that people just feel supported in a way that I can't offer one-on-one. And the, the synergy that occurs, it, it's just amazing. Can you talk a little bit more about that? In a group, the community is the medicine. I ran a group when I was a health psychologist. I had a co-facilitator and we went into a doctor's office. These were very conventional uh, cancer specialists and we would take over their staff kitchen every Friday and people would come and they looked forward to it. And there's a way that they can support others. There was a woman in the group. She uh, had struggled. At first, many of these people had uh, blood sugar issues. And when the group started, she was she had a candy jar. This was a group. Many of the people were older and they they had this these they were used to like, you know, having for company, you'd have a, a candy dish and it was Fannie Mae chocolates. And every night she would have these chocolates and she couldn't stop eating them. So the one change she made is she put that away. And now she was in the, this group went on for a couple years and people came and went. And when newcomers came, she would always say as part of her introduction, oh, you will do so well in this group. You know, I used to just nosh all night on this chocolate on my coffee table and I don't do that anymore. So if I could do it, you can too. And she gave people support and encouragement and that process was how she was getting better and other people were seeing, oh, if she can do it, maybe I can do it too. Especially now, people are so isolated and groups can bring people together. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Geller, who uh, is somebody who in uh, Massachusetts runs groups out of his office as a family practitioner all day long. And he says, I started them to treat loneliness So coaches are trained to run groups, and it's one of the ways that I just love to see them coming into medical practices, starting these groups. Yeah, I started doing groups when when I had a brick-and-mortar office many years ago. I just fell in love with it and just the camaraderie and the support and the, the improved outcomes. And now I do them online. And I do agree that during this time of social isolation, that it really, you know, then our oxytocin gets depleted, our serotonin gets depleted because we're not connecting and humans are hardwired for that, that having a group, even if it's virtual, just really helps with the hormone balancing and helps support people. I love that story about the woman eating the chocolates. It made me, reminded me of my grandmother who always sat in her chair watching the news and she had her box of chocolates next to her. 
And that certainly didn't change before she passed away, unfortunately. That was many years ago. But now I think the availability, the sheer availability where you might not have a health coach in your community, you might not have a functional medicine provider, but if you've got a phone, you can get online and you can join a community and instantly be connected with people all over the world and be supported in achieving your healthcare goals, even if your family is still eating chocolates and diet soda, like we were talking about earlier, you can have that support beamed into your home through your electronic device. I just think this age of technology has been a boon for people's health. So I'll be interested to see, along with health coaching, if this will really help us to transform Form the chronic medical conditions and the high healthcare costs because of it that we are dealing with. Oh, I love everything you said. And the research is showing that remote is just as impactful. People may think, well, how could that be? We need present in the live format. It's actually just as engaging. And so I think we're just going to see more and more. And people like it because it's convenient. And especially if you are in a place where the weather's bad or there's a long drive to get to perhaps participating in a group, uh, remote is the way to go. Yes, I remember you talking about that data that showed that remote was just as impactful as in person at, I think, a recent meeting we were both at, and that really stuck with me. I think that telemedicine has really been pushed to the forefront with the pandemic, and people got over their discomfort of it being foreign and unusual and not in person very quickly. And now I read recently where it's actually the preferred method of delivery for a large majority of people at this point. They say, I don't want to come to the office. I want telemedicine. And so the demand has really increased, which actually spurred me to create a telemedicine company to provide bioidentical hormones for women because so women, many women don't have access now that it's so acceptable and actually preferred. Yes, I don't think we're going back. The health is here to stay remote conferencing. Yes, and you have a wonderful, simple guide to relaxation through breathing that you are offering to everyone. Do you want to tell them about that? We will put the link in the show notes. Sure. So breathing was something I specialized in back in the day when in the 70s. We didn't call it breath work then. And it doesn't have to be complicated, but it's it really is related to belly breathing. And so this is just a step-by-step, very simple guide with some suggestions, even a few things that you could do if you have young children and you can teach them to take those great belly breaths. Yes, that's one of my favorite topics to discuss and educate people about. And I'm sure you could talk about, if you could briefly, about how breathing impacts your psychological state. Sure. So we tend to have, for many people, dysfunctional breathing patterns. So we were all born with diaphragmatic breathing. If you watch a baby or a very young child breathe, you see their tiny bellies going up and down. But if they're crying or if someone, if you're upset, you're going to be using this quick chest breath. 
and many people become chest breathers and you would know that because your shoulders are often being lifted and so that would be one thing you're just breathing your chest you're not using your diaphragm what we call belly breathing the second would be you're breathing rapidly so it's kind of like a panting dog you're just breathing so fast and that is affecting everything physiological level, but also on an emotional level. And we get into these states often without realizing it, that because something might happen, we're triggered, we're upset, and then all of a sudden it's like, in that case, we might be holding our breath. Or perhaps we're upset and we keep taking inhales and we're not exhaling fully. And that can lead to a state of panic attacks, anxiety, which I used to suffer from many years ago. And it's a matter of balancing and it's actually slowing down your breath. So if you were to do a few things to just quiet yourself, one would be to use your stomach to breathe. You can just put your hand on your belly and, and just feel the movement to push it out. Easier to do lying down with gravity working for you. And then how slowly can you breathe? I used to train people in what we call super slow motion. So inhale very, very slowly, and then exhale very, very slowly. And as you're slowing down your breath, the connection with your mood, with you might be very anxious, is those thoughts that are really creating that state of anxiety are starting to slow down. You can then also pair the breath with some imagery or some words. And so that would be step two, where you would inhale, you imagine a sense of peace or imagine something soothing and exhale, you feel that you're uh, imagining or letting go of whatever you don't wanna hang on to. You can also, as you inhale, and through your belly, and then as you exhale, you, you, what your body has done is warmed that air that you've taken in. And so that warmth, you imagine it going to your heart, which is your emotional center. And as you exhale, you feel the warmth through your heart, and now that warmth is associated with love. So give yourself some love and send love to somebody that you care about. Yeah, I really appreciate how you tie together psychology and emotions and the body. And I just want to highlight this for everybody listening, because I think it's such an important understanding for healing and creating excellent health, that every emotion has physiologic correlates in your body, with your heart, with your lungs, with your posture, with every organ system in your body. And so what Dr. Scheinbaum is talking about is using and kind of exploiting the control of your lungs and your breathing to work at the other direction. So if emotions affect your body and your breathing, well, we're gonna change our breathing to affect our psychological state. And I think that's a very important concept that not everybody understands. It's something that I work with and educate on too. So I'm gonna really challenge everyone and, and say, download that breathing guide that Dr. Sandy has offered to you and do the practices and really start paying attention to how your psychological state changes, how your mood changes, how you feel and learn how easy it is to change how you feel by manipulating the breath. So that's going to be my call to action. And 
Dr. Sandy, you've shared so much wonderful information from your vast experience. I so appreciate it. I'm wondering if you could leave everybody with their top three take action tips because we've covered a lot of ground. Sure. Well, I think number one would be to take a belly breath and slow it down. And number two would be to use your strength, to use your psychological capital and to feel like you are well set for life. It's like you have, you're a billionaire in terms of the capital that you have within your body. And I don't, mind body medicine is no distinction between mind and body. So it's those strengths are helping your mind. They're helping at a physical level as well. And so use those strengths. And the third would be to start with a tiny habit. What's one small thing that you would commit to today to have a better quality of life by doing something to care for yourself, for your health, and whatever that might be for you. Awesome. So I'm going to invite everybody to take action. If you can't do all three, it feels like too much. Just pick one. One thing. That's how lasting health change occurs. You just make a decision. First, you have to become ready and then you make a decision and then you decide when you're going to take action. And like Dr. Sandy said earlier, when would you be ready to do that? And then set a date and then take action. And the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health Revolution. What does that mean to you? Well, I think that it is really, we all have, her is you know, all Everybody, all women, world, brilliant. We all are brilliant. And revolution is shaking things up. And so we have that power to really shake things up and make ourselves better. And as we do that, that's going to extend to our loved ones, to our community, to the planet. So that's what it means to me. Thank you for sharing that. Dr. Sandra Scheinbaum, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast today and sharing all the gifts that you have to offer and this incredible information. Thank you for having me. It's been a joy. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media and send it to someone who would benefit from it. If you love the show and really want to support it, please go to iTunes, write a review and subscribe. This helps other women find us so that they too can heal and enjoy brilliant health. I've got a gift for you. If you take a screenshot of your review, post it on your social media and tag me, I'll send you a special surprise right to your inbox. Thank you so much for joining me. And remember, healing and getting optimally healthy isn't magic, it's science.